Are you working with a broker who is looking at new ways to support you in your business? Border Buddy is revolutionizing clearances into North America, and Graham, the founder, shows us the new way versus the old way, and that is going to be in the Two Babes Season 1 episode 68. So make sure you go and check that out. Remember, it's letstalksupplychain.com. It's going to be under season one, episode 68. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. Welcome back to all our listeners. This is an exciting day for the podcast. This is an exciting day for me personally, and I am so excited to share this with you. So as most of you know, my name is Sarah Barnes Humphrey, and when I started this show as Two Babes Talk Supply Chain, it was a bit of a marketing experiment, and I had a co-host, Nick. As we continued the show and I saw how interested everyone was in it, I began to learn more and more and really learned how much I enjoyed doing this podcast. Supply chain is my passion and really my life's work, and I want want to have a show that people enjoy listening to and participating in. Since we started, things have changed. Nick is no longer involved, and I am launching a supply chain pa- platform. So I've decided to bring the podcast community and the platform together by renaming the podcast Let's Talk Supply Chain. The style, the format, pretty much the brand won't change. It's just the name. And the Two Babes episodes will still be available on our new site at letstalksupplychain.com and it'll be listed under season one. So Let's Talk Supply Chain um, will be in season two and we'll be starting at season two, episode one. I love the Two Babes brand. It's how I started in podcasting and it allowed me to experiment and work with some amazing people. This is a really powerful time for me as I take what I learned about communication and developing my interviewing skills into the next season of the podcast. And as I move into the role of CEO at Ships, the show and the community will only get better. Thank you for all of your support this far. And I know that you will continue to support the podcast, the show, and our community will only grow as we moved into this next chapter. This episode was produced in collaboration with Border Buddy, the most innovative online customs platform out there. And here is what Graham, the founder, has to say. How long does it take you to get a duty rate or guidance on the right HS classification from your current customs broker? With Border Buddy's new revolutionary self-service technology, you will never go traditional again. We have created a platform that allows you to get instant quotes on duties, taxes, and customs fees to import your products into North America. To get 10% off your first clearance, sign up at borderbuddy.com forward slash let's talk supply chain. 
So today we have Peter Tershwell, Senior Director of Editorial Content at IHS Market, Maritime and Trade, talking about his recent article that outlines the most serious pain points retailers, manufacturers, and other shippers have with containerized cargo. Peter Tershwell, again, Senior Director for Editorial Content at Maritime and Trade Business of IHS Market, a leading data analytics and business intelligence organization serving the maritime industry globally through products and services including JOC, Peers, Maritime Portal, Mint, and the C-Web, formerly Lord's Register, Vessel Characteristics Database. In his role, Peter leads the editorial teams of JOC and the IHS Market Maritime Media, which includes brands such as Fairplay, Safety at Sea, and Dredging and Port Construction. A career transportation journalist, Mr. Tershwell was a reporter, West Coast Bureau Chief, Editor-in-Chief, and Publisher of the Journal of Commerce Daily Newspaper in his 20-plus year career with the company beginning in 1992. He is the founder and chairman of the annual TPM conference in Long Beach, California. We'll be talking about that on the episode today. One of the world's largest shipping events and oversees other leading JOC events such as TPM Asia, Inland Distribution, and the JOC Europe Conference in Hamburg. He writes a regular column in the Journal of Commerce covering a range of international logistics topics, speaks regularly at industry events, and has been quoted in mainstream business media, including the BBC, CNBC, the Wall Street Journal, Financial Times, and the New York Times. Wow, we're so excited to have you on the show. Thank you for coming to talk to us on Let's Talk Supply Chain today, Peter. Thank you, Sarah. It's a pleasure to be with you. Awesome. So let's get started. What is IHS Market? Well, it is a, uh, you know, as as you have mentioned in the bio, it's a, it's a business uh, intelligence uh data analytics and expertise business that is providing uh, business intelligence uh, to a variety of markets, including maritime and trade, which is what the Journal of Commerce is part of, the unit that we're part of, uh, but also uh, automotive, uh, energy, petrochemical, technology, and also involved in a number of ways in the uh, in the financial services industry. So it's a business that we at the Journal of Commerce feel very comfortable being part of because it's a, a group of experts who are very deeply embedded in their markets and delivering value to their markets in a variety of ways, and that's precisely what we try to do uh, within the containerized shipping sector. Awesome. I love that. It's kind of like collaboration, right? I, I always say the future of business right now is in collaboration, so I love to hear it, that. It is indeed. So I found you um, via your article that I mentioned just previously because you outlined some of the – you were talking about the serious pain points, you know, and I loved the article because it really got to the meat and potatoes of ocean freight and the, the frustrations that, you know, shippers and companies are having. So what made you decide to write about the biggest pain points shippers have with ocean freight? Well, actually, it was just it was it went beyond writing about it because we we did write about it, but we are going to organize a 
you know, essentially a technology innovation jam at TPM this year for the purpose of trying to see if technology is able to solve some of the worst pain points that, you know, big retailers, big manufacturers, big trading companies that are shipping tens of thousands of containers a year are experiencing. Because one of the things that we realized is that, you know, despite all of the, you know, countless investment into technology companies, all the technology startups out there, all of the innovative ways in which technology is being produced, is being uh is being rolled out, like, you know, Internet of Things, uh, cloud, I mean, you name it, whatever the buzzwords are, the fact of the matter is, is that if you are a large consumer products company that is shipping containerized goods around the world, you are uh, facing what would seem to be very, very basic challenges. You don't know where your stuff is at any given time. You don't know when it is going to arrive at a warehouse. You don't know when it's going to arrive at a customer. You, you have no way to anticipate the, the arrival of cargo into a warehouse, for example, so that you can plan labor. You would think that these are a fairly basic requests that a large multinational company that is a customer of big container companies and big logistics firms would be able to say to them, look, I need to know when my stuff is going to arrive. And the fact of the matter is that a lot of them are still saying that they lack that information. And so what we did, Sarah, was we went out, we, we identified uh, approximately 40 pain, pain points that, that big shippers face in the ocean container supply chain. And we, through a process of, of, of having the shippers tell us which of those are the worst pain points, we narrowed that down to 17. And then we put the 17 out to the technology world and said, you know, can you solve these problems? Are you able to solve these problems? If so, propose to us in 100 words how you would go about doing that. And then we took uh, what ended up as about 80 proposals proposals, and we, we formed a committee of shippers to say, okay, which of these 80 proposals do you want to hear from? Which are the most interesting companies? Which are the most interesting proposals? And that's going to result in two hour-long sessions at the 2018 TPM, which is just coming up uh, on March 4th through 7th, uh, where we're, get, we're going to hear... Uh, you know, we're going to hear, for example, Clear Metal uh, uh, solve the pain point, which says we want a continuously updated e ETA on containers as events are unfolding throughout the supply chain so that we can predict the when the final ETA is going to be. And the the shippers said that they wanted to hear from this company, Clear Metal, which is kind of a, a uh, uh, I would put them into the category of uh, artificial intelligence, uh, you know, leveraging massive amounts of data in order to create predict- predictive analytics that would allow a, a company to have a better idea when stuff is going to arrive so that they can either tell that to their customer or plan labor or whatever, or plan equipment or whatever the case may be. That's a really interesting concept to have the shipper. And I, I honestly, I um, probably should have reached out to you sooner because of what we're doing on our ships platform. Um, but I, I think that before we get into the biggest pain points of the retailers, I think it really comes down to, you know, the carriers and the freight forwarding industry and the lack of, I don't think they have the funds for the innovation, first of all. I also think that there's a collaboration component missing 
whether you're looking at carriers, whether you're looking at freight forwarders, whether you're looking at new innovation um, and these disruptors and these technologies and things like that, I, got, I come back to collaboration because I still think whether we've got an answer to each of these different pain points, I think that the collaboration is missing. Um, so, Sarah, I, I, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, that's just something that I have been – um, you know, grappling with and sort of thinking about and something that I'm definitely putting into what I'm working on from a technology standpoint um, to be able to help resolve some of these pain points in the industry. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I can tell you that I, I completely agree. And one of the realities of technology in this industry over many decades, not just years, is uh, the, the, the fact that it is highly siloed, that, that technology connects one shipper individually, say, to many different suppliers, but it fails to bring into the picture the other players who might be involved who are a bank, for example, a marine terminal, uh, chassis companies, and the the fact of the matter is is that international cargo movements in general are involving so many parties, and those parties are are in, interconnected in many ways. That that the fundamental disconnect is what is what you've identified that collaboration is required, and yet collaboration is not facilitated by current technology. So even in the pain points that we address in, in, the, uh, in the blog, which was posted on LinkedIn, that, that, that talks about all of the 17 and who's going to be seeking to solve those, even those technologies, for the most part, are somewhat siloed, uh, which actually gets to the, what, what I think is the most interesting development in technology today, which gets directly at this question of collaboration and potentially is the solution to it, I think you know what I'm going to say. Yeah, and and uh, to be honest with you, that's one of the major points that I, through my, I, I haven't talked to you about it, but I have a lot online top platform. Uh, that I'm working on right now, and one of the major, major, major um, focuses for me is this collaboration. Um, the other one to keep in mind on top of that is the blockchain portion. So being able to link both, you know, collaboration and blockchain, I think are going to be important as we move into the technology side. But I just feel like, you know, there's all these different solutions and all these different companies, and like you said, it's all siloed. Um, and we've got to figure out a way of, you know, working more collaboratively. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm a bit biased. I think that I've come up with that solution, but um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see as we move forward with the platform. So um, let's talk about some of the biggest pain points. So what came out of the research? What came out of the blog? What are I know you said there was 40 of them, which is a massive amount. But what are kind of like the top three that um, that was identified? Well, well, there was uh, so so. Okay, so one of them would be, uh, and again, this is right from the the the, the right from the uh, the mouth of a of a big retailer. We currently can't achieve real time visibility at any point in the supply chain the way we would like to. So visibility of cargo, where it is 
what its status is. This is remains, here we are in 2018, this remains unachievable. And this, this would be a, a very large multi-billion dollar company that has ample resources to put against supply chain technology if it creates value for them, saying something as simple as real-time visibility at any point in the supply chain is unavailable to them. So that is one. Um, uh, you know, then you have various, uh, uh, various uh, uh, variations on this. Uh, like if you had visibility and that visibility revealed some kind of hiccup, to then be able to respond to that and change your plan. So the pain point number four was when we encounter disruption at point A in the supply chain, how quickly can plan B options be presented? And so that's, you know, kind of a, var- a variation on visibility. Uh, and, and you know, they're, they're still asking questions like this. Uh, then you have uh, questions about getting your, getting your cargo onto ships. Because even if you have a, you've made a booking and that booking has been accepted by the carrier, you may not get loaded because the carrier might decide that the ship is full. They might take a look at the rate that you're paying and say, hey, you know what? Uh, Sarah's playing, paying a pr- pretty low rate. And yeah, I know I have a contract with her, but, uh, Peter is paying a higher rate. And so, um, I'm trying to maximize, uh, the, 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 the revenue associated with, with each of my voyages. So I'm just going to load Peter's cargo and I'm going to leave Sarah's behind. Uh, so that pain point is going to be addressed by a company called NYSHEX, which stands for New York Shipping Exchange. Maybe you've heard of them. Uh, essentially what they're doing is creating a tradable contract, which is where I, as a, uh, a shipper, can buy a slot from you as a carrier. And, the, and what differentiates that, that contract for that container from your run-in-the-mill contracts that carriers and shippers typically sign every day is that this one's enforceable. So out in the open market, uh, uh, contracts between shippers and carriers in the, in the ocean container space are typically ignored. So I've committed to you to, sub, to ship 10,000 containers. I only ship, submit 8,000. Uh, you are not going to uh, go after me for, the, for those 2,000. Very, very unlikely that you'll do that. Similarly, if I tender cargo to you that you that I need to be loaded on this ship, and then it's not doesn't get loaded, there's really nothing I can do about it. I could sue you, but I won't. You, as the carrier, could sue me if I don't give you my minimum volume commitment, but you won't. And so, as a result of that, it's very sort of wishy-washy this whole idea of a contract. So, what NYSHEX is trying to do is trying to say. Let's create enforceability, uh, meaning that if you ship, if you buy a contract with NYSHEX, you are almost guaranteed that that cargo is going to get loaded on that ship. And if you are a carrier, you are uh, almost guaranteed that the shipper is going to provide the cargo against the booking because carriers face a situation where up to 25% of the ship doesn't show up. So the booking is there, um, but but the you know it's like an airline uh, where you know you have all these all these uh, 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 passengers who are supposed to show up for a flight, and twenty five percent percent of them don't show up, and uh, you, you know it's like you lost the revenue. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, the airlines addressed that back in the 1970s, and they said, you know what, no more non refundable tickets. The ocean carriers have yet to address that, 
so now NYSEX has created a contract that is creating essentially enforceability on, enforceability on both sides. So that's kind of how that pain point is going to be addressed. So I just want to ask you a question about that. Is that really only going to work for the larger shippers? Because I think we've got two segments of the market right now. We've got the larger shippers, you know, the the major retailers and manufacturers, um, but then you've also got the small to medium-sized entrepreneurs, startups, you know, even medium-sized businesses. Um, Are they really going to be able to you know, take advantage of that, or is this really for the larger shippers? Well, to be honest with you, I I don't know. Uh, What what I do know is that they are holding out that service to anyone, and and they are claiming that that the uh, that that the contracts that they have executed so far, and they're still early days in in this in this venture, uh, have been. Uh, have been uh, uh, fulfilled on on, bo- on both sides, so uh, it's not necessarily for big big contracts. I mean, they're, they're I think they're openly saying that 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 what you as a shipper should do is book a small portion of your or a only a portion of your cargo on through NYSEX, uh because you uh, you know you don't want to put out your whole service contract like that, uh, but. So therefore, they're they're not talking about large numbers necessarily. So therefore, if you're a smaller shipper and you have a smaller amount of cargo, there would be no reason why, if you bought a slot on the NYSEX exchange, that you would not be subject to penalties if your cargo didn't show up to be loaded on the ship, and the carrier would still be subject to penalties if they don't load your cargo on the vessel as promised. And so... I would think that that it's open to every. I mean, it's open to everyone for sure. I don't necessarily think that there's inherent advantages whether you are a big shipper or a small shipper. I think that the advantages are are, are there for both, which is creating some certainty around uh, around cargo being loaded on a ship rather than rather than sitting at the dock waiting a week or two weeks for another sailing. Okay, so that kind of brings me to my next question because I wanted to sort of ask you, I mean, you've had all of these technology companies come to you, you've kind of vetted them for this this TPM um, technology exchange coming up. Um, Which ones are the easiest to fix? Now, it sounds like number three, you know, the booking being accepted and not loaded, et cetera, seems to maybe have, you know, um, an answer through NYSHEX. Um, but what about the other ones? So, you know, which ones are the easiest to fix? Maybe they're not the top three that you just mentioned, but out of the 40, which ones are we looking at? Well, I mean, to, to, to be honest with you, I mean, some of them are not, are not going to be so easy to fix. Uh, visibility right now is not easy to fix because, because the, 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 the way in which of, of visibility right now is, uh, is created to the extent that there is visibility in the supply chain. It's largely through EDI messages sent out by carriers into uh, systems like uh, like GT Nexus, Intra, Lognet, uh, or, or or the TMS uh, solutions of, uh, of of Oracle or, or SAP or any of the other TMS solutions that are out there. Uh, and and those and that data is notoriously uh, incomplete or, or or untimely or or inaccurate. And and to be honest with you, Lognet, uh, the the CEO John Motley hands out an award at TPM every single year. He's done it for several years to the carrier that provides the most accurate data into his system via EDI. So 
So in, in, uh, until EDI is is sunsetted as a as a technology that is used to convey information, there's always going to be imperfections. Now, of course, on the other side of that, you have uh, IoT sensors that are coming down in price, and for and 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 internet connected sensors are used regularly in reefer cargo today. Uh, the you know, to be constantly monitoring via the via the the internet, uh, all all aspects of a of a of a reefer shipment, temperature, uh, internal atmosphere control, all of that can be can be monitored on a real time basis globally. But but the reason why is because the the value of the cargo can tolerate the expense of the technology, and for regular dry cargo, so-called dry cargo, which is, you know, everything else, uh, the, the, the economics of using IoT for visibility creation uh, have not yet been in line. Um, but we, it's, but it's coming. I mean, at the, at the TPM last year, you had two very senior industry people, uh, Jeremy Nixon, who was then the CEO of NYK, who's now going to become the CEO of the combined Japanese carriers called One, and Otto Schacht, who is the uh, the, the global head of ocean freight at Kuninagel, which is the number one ocean freight forwarder in the world, both saying that they see the price of sensors coming down rapidly to the point that you're going to open up a new avenue for the creation of visibility, not through traditional EDI. And then you were mentioning blockchain before. By the way, blockchain was what I was suggesting uh, that uh, that we that we should talk about because that is potentially the answer to collaboration and it's also the answer to visibility. So the the Maersk IBM joint venture in blockchain, which was announced in January, has as its first use cases uh basically uh documentation and visibility. So so if if you can create the right permissions, you can create uh the right the right access then through a through a blockchain Scenario, you you can create the visibility that is that is lacking because you could have a you could have a, a customs agency go in and say that that this shipment is cleared for export. You could have a marine terminal go in and say this car this cargo has been loaded on the ship. You can have the the ocean carrier say that it's it's received a bill of lading. Uh, you know, all those things can be done in a in a in a, in a blockchain environment, which which is. That is collaboration. That is the that is the answer to the collaboration uh, conundrum. Uh, but the the but now we are facing the the possibility that blockchain itself could get siloed because you have Maersk IBM on one hand uh, going out with a with a massive venture, uh, but you've also got a GE working with the Port of LA trying to develop uh, visibility at a port level, which may involve some blockchain. I've seen no less than. Several new blockchain ventures, uh, Cargo X, a block ship, I don't know, a whole bunch of other ones. Uh, apparently there's 20 ICOs, uh, initial coin offerings already in transportation and logistics. So, uh, how is that going to play out? That's a whole new scenario that we've yet to get our arms around. Yeah, and um, I'm glad that you brought that point up because it's all well and good that they're, you know, looking at the blockchain technology, but they're only one carrier. So again, it's going to get siloed. Like, yes, it's going to bring collaboration, but it's still siloed. 
um, to the right. one carrier. And when you talk about ICOs, I've been watching the ICOs very closely because it's, it's something that we are we're considering at the moment. Um, the ICOs, I mean, you've got a company called ShipChain. You know, they've I think in the last four months have have raised three hundred and fifty million, and they don't have anything in development yet. Um, so the ICOs are a really, really interesting space to to take a look at um, because there's a lot of money being raised, and that you know will lead into development of different technologies and different ways of doing business and things like that. So you bring up a, a you know a couple of couple of good points, and ICO is one of them. So um, I, we've talked a little bit about the innovation. We've talked a little bit about the tech that we need to see to address these pain points. So I'm not really going to go into that too, too much. Um, I'm, I'm really interested to see what comes out of uh, TPM, actually, um, with these companies that you guys are talking to. Are you going to be doing some sort of follow-up to your article so that we can have an idea of what sort of transpired, or maybe we should do a follow-up podcast? Well, we could we could do we could do both. I mean, we we will absolutely cover it for sure. One of the things that we have told the uh, the, the tech companies presenting their solutions to these problems is that we are going to allow the audience to vote via you know via our voting system that we use at the event on which of the eight is the most presents the most convincing solution to the pain point that they're addressing, and and we will give an award to the to the company that impresses the audience the most with their solution. So there will be that. That will certainly come out of it. Okay. Uh, but, 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 I, but I expect that we will do reporting around it. And, uh, and so definitely, I mean, we've been very, very public. When we, when we went out to the tech community, uh, we did it via social media. So we were very open and transparent about the whole process and exactly what our objectives were. And the, and the response from the tech community was very, very positive in terms of an opportunity to show the market what the, uh, their technology, what they're doing, and, uh, and to try to bridge some of these gaps between problems and solutions, which is hopefully what we will eventually, in the end, uh, accomplish to some degree. Yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, I'm really excited to see what sort of comes out of it. So you and I will talk um, about how we can get to our listeners, you know, more of, of what transpired at, at TPM. So I'm going to go back to sort of the carrier side, right, because it's really about the carriers and the freight forwarders and what are they doing and do they have the capabilities to really change the industry because right now it's sort of the new way versus the old, there's a lot of companies that are still stuck in the old. So what are carriers doing to help? Well, uh, the, there is a, uh, uh, a real digital divide among, just if we were to take the container lines themselves, a massive digital divide. On one end, you have, uh, you have some of the Asian companies that have not made a peep about digital, digitization of any kind. Uh, and then on the other end of the extreme, you've got Merckline, which uh, has been on a tear over the last year and a half, diving deeper and deeper and deeper into technology and the potential for technology to transform not only its business, but the entire business. And I have editorialized about this on multiple occasions, saying 
that that when Maersk uh, sold off its energy businesses, which it has done, it is going all in on ocean container shipping and transportation and, and freight transportation. And that business has been chronically underperforming from a uh, a profitability standpoint over many years. So therefore, if Maersk is going all in on this business, the, indi- the business that it is in has to be fundamentally transformed because left alone, there is going to be nothing but uh, a chronic uh, overcapacity, cyclicality, volatility, uh, and, and ultimately commoditization of that industry. So therefore, only if it is able to reinvent itself, but also potentially reinvent the entire industry along with it, can it see a path to a future of uh, sustained uh, uh, profitability that, that the investment community uh, wants to be part of. So you saw just uh, within the last uh, week, uh, you, you saw Maersk uh, make the, the most far-reaching uh, announcement concerning its own business transformation that we've ever heard, where they are essentially likening themselves now openly to a uh, to a FedEx or a UPS in the ocean arena. So they're not sa- saying that they're going to be a FedEx or a UPS where they're going to deliver your package uh, to your you know grandmother for Christmas or anything like that from Chicago to Miami, uh, but rather they're they're going to be a, a, a they're aiming to be a one stop shop for container cargo uh, uh, all around the world so which which is interesting because they were talking about that before they were calling they've been calling themselves for uh, maybe a year the global integrator of container logistics and uh, I had tweeted that a couple a while back saying integrator that's interesting because integrators in in, in, in the transportation world are uh, FedEx and UPS and DHL in other words they can you know an integrator is a is a business is a, a carrier if you will or, or, or a provider that controls the cargo from beginning to end UPS picks it up at your house puts it on a UPS truck it goes into a UPS warehouse and so on down the line same with FedEx same with DHL uh, so now uh, Maersk has put uh, flesh on the bone in saying that is exactly what they're trying to do to be an integrator in, in ocean container uh, shipping and logistics, which for a, from a carrier point of view is, is absolutely radical. Absolutely radical. Uh, and uh, we'll see uh, uh, how uh, time will tell how, how successful that is. Yeah, and I, you know, I... It's, I have different thoughts on that because an integrator, um, what they're doing is still siloed. I mean, freight transportation doesn't just stop at ocean containers. You know, like you've got LCL and you've got air freight and courier is even a part of that. I mean, a FedEx and a UPS, they've been able to integrate all of them. So Maersk saying that they're an integrator, okay, fine, but they're only focused on containerized cargo. And they haven't adopted LCL. Right, they're 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 focused on the full container load side. So well, they have uh, no. I don't think that's correct because Damco, which is their freight forwarding arm, uh, which they did not sell. Some people thought they were going to sell Damco because it it itself has been underperforming over many years. Uh, they the, uh, Damco uh, handles uh, LTL and and full container as a uh, as a as a three PL. 
Okay. Yes, good point, because they do have Damco. I do keep forgetting that they have Damco, but they're still not addressing the air freight side. And this is where I'm saying collaboration, right? The collaboration point is to bring all sorts of modes of transportation together. It's not just containerized cargo. It's not just LCL. It's not just air freight. And I, I just, I just see it as still being very, very siloed, right? And not just it being, you know, Merck mm. against the world and being that integrator, but just a matter of, you know, even siloing the industry into different freight components. Shippers don't want to see that. Shippers have full container load. They have LCL and they have air freight. Right now, they're still going to different people for different aspects of their, of their movement, of their goods. So, I, in my opinion, I think until we, we start looking at it as a whole and, and not just, you know, ocean freight or air freight or, or courier and, and that kind of stuff, um, I think that, you know, collaboration is, is just something that is talked about, really. Well, it's, uh, it's, 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 a, it's a good point. I mean, there is really, uh, you know, for the bigger shippers, and, and this is really where where it comes down to because the biggest shippers control the, the the largest chunk of cargo and then there's a very very long 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 tail of small shippers you know going out as far as as far as the eye can see uh, big shippers tend to be very uh, focused on getting the maximum value that they can from whoever they deal with and 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 this is a big this is a real uh, interesting point that Maersk is saying that actually big shippers of containerized cargo would like to deal with a single company end-to-end. And not only that, that not only are you dealing with a single company, but you've got the ease of use of dealing with that company that would be on par with the user experience of dealing with an Amazon or something like that. They've been, they've said that also. Well, that's that's interesting, uh, but you also there's another point of view that says that, as you're saying, I think, which is that shippers are going to seek the best opportunities they have, and will go to certain air freight providers to obtain that. Will go to certain ocean freight providers to obtain that. Will use certain ports or certain inland partners to obtain that, and. This is going to be a question of who's got capacity, who's got the right pricing, who's got the right services to be matched up against a the very specific needs of a particular supply chain. So it can't ever really be a one-size-fits-all type of a uh, uh, of an offering because that will be incompatible with the individualized services that a lot of shippers need. Yeah, and. So, yeah, and I also think that it comes down to choice. They want the one-stop place, but they also want to have choice. And I, I could be completely wrong. I mean, you, you have more access to shippers, and you're talking to more shippers than I do. But, you know, being a one-stop shop, um, okay, fine. But at the same time, I really believe that shippers want choice. So if they're going to be a one-stop shop, I also think they're going to be surprised in the fact that they're going to want to have that choice available to them. They want to see what what else is out there. They're not going to put, we, we talked about it at the beginning, they're not going to put all of their eggs in one basket. So there needs to be one place for them to go to have choice, in my opinion. 
it's very it's 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 very uh, uh, much of a of a of an open question of which way things will go because a because a a, a Maersk is projecting a vision and saying that the industry is looking for certain things and 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 Tom will tell us if if they are right uh, they're they're in a way in some ways they're betting the company on being correct that yeah. that that the market is is asking for certain things here and they're and they're going to try to provide that now uh, you know they're very capable people they they you know they've been in business for a long long time uh, they are the largest carrier in the world uh, they are uh, arguably uh saying now this is another point and when we get back to blockchain they're saying that their that their blockchain solution is going to be open and neutral and and I think it may not even be they have not given it a name yet for example and I think that that name is not going to be a Maersk name it's going to be some other name so as to reinforce the idea of the neutrality of of the of the blockchain platform that they're, that they're going to create because if it's not seen as neutral then it's going to be very hard to get other carriers on board because the level of trust that exists among carriers just to take that group is very very low. Yeah, they're always trying to put each other out of business, and so you know, undercutting each other on price and so forth. It doesn't really create a lot of. And plus, uh, they are under under heavy degrees of regulatory scrutiny over any uh, cooperation that might uh, be deemed uh, to be uh, anti-competitive or at least uh, seeming like it could open up risks in that area. So they tend to be very careful, but. It'll be interesting. I tell you, the industry is only getting more and more interesting. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm going to invite you back because I really think that we should do a podcast after or an episode after the TPM because I'd like to see what sort of comes out of it from your point of view, what companies had presented, you know, who won, uh, what were the reasons for that. I, I think that it's very interesting not only for me but for the listeners um, so I'd like to invite you back, and I'll, I'll do that offline through an email. But let's wind this down. What can people expect to see at TPM? I mean, listen, we've had a really, really good in-depth discussion today, and we're not going to solve everything. Um, but but I think continuing that conversation is is uh, is going to be really interesting. So again, you know, what can people expect to see at TPM? And uh, we'll continue most of this as we as we get into that next episode. Well, it's going to be, I mean, the thing about uh, a TPM is that it is a, a bridge between the old and the new. There is, There are many legacy issues out there that are fundamentally not technology issues. There are questions of, of the market itself and, and how the market is going to shape up this year in terms of supply and demand, uh, the, 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 the U.S. and the global economy, how that is impacting trade volumes, and in particular, ocean container trade volumes. So there will be a lot of discussion about that. You know, obviously, right now, we're in a time when the major economies of the world are growing uh, all at the same time. That has not happened since the Great Recession. So that is very positive for container shipping. Right now, you see a situation where uh, there are very few idle container ships because there's so much demand for all of that capacity out there, given that the fact that the global economy is in a growth mode. So we will have quite a bit of discussion about that. The, the chief economist of IHS market, uh, a very renowned economist named Naram Berovich, will be giving a 
solo presentation right at the beginning of the conference, giving his global economic outlook. Uh, we are going to get into uh, a whole host of issues, uh, port congestion issues, uh, chassis trucking in the U.S., not just port trucking, but overall trucking, as I'm sure you know, is uh, is extremely tight right now. Uh, in part due to the ELD mandate, but in general, a lot of pressure being put on the trucking market from the growing economy. We're going to talk about that. We very rarely actually have a pure trucking panel at TPM, but we're going to have one this year. Air freight, we've never had an air freight panel in, in 18 years of TPM. Uh, why? Because air freight is also uh, uh, is, is a very tight market, has been, uh, in part because e-commerce is now asserting itself as a more important air freight customer uh, alongside traditional users of, of air freight. So that could be a long-term change in terms of the air freight market, so we're going to be talking about that. Uh, we, I will be doing a, uh, a long interview, 45-minute interview with Jeremy Nixon, the new CEO of the Integrated Japanese Carriers, which is called One. Uh, and there's just a lot. There's a lot of stuff, but all the all the technology stuff. Uh, the, we're going to have an opening keynote speech from the global CEO of DB Schenker, uh, Jochen Choose. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see what he what he has to say. You know, the the big global forwarders are are in an interesting position right now because you've got you know they depend on the carriers to provide capacity to them, and yet. Certain carriers, Maersk in particular, are saying, well, we're going to become an integrated carrier. Well, an integrated carrier would have to, in general, raise questions um, about where a forwarder fits in, which was, which, and, and I think that Maersk was trying to signal to the forwarding community that, that this does not exclude them. Then they had uh, uh, Otto Schock, the, you know, the global head of sea freight at Kunanago, be part of the Investor Day uh, announcement at uh, at Maersk, where they were unveiling their plans to become an integrated carrier, they literally had a, the Kunanagel head of ocean freight part of the program to talk about it. So, I think they're trying to signal that. that but, but still, I mean, these are these are big, you know, big questions that are going to be raised. But, you know, it's going to be a good event, and uh, and we'll be doing, we'll be covering it. Uh, we'll we'll have our our virtually our whole editorial team will be there. Uh, talking, uh, reporting from from virtual, you know, most if not all of the sessions. So there will be extensive coverage on on JOC.com. Uh, Twitter lights up during TPM. The 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 hashtag TPM 2018 is going to be one of the busiest hashtags on all of Twitter. Uh, at least it was last year. Uh, so there'll be just a ton of social media activity and. Uh, and you know, it's uh, things as we talked about. Things are changing. So when things are changing in any market, you, you know, it's that's the time to be plugged into what's going on. Yeah, and you bring up a few interesting points. So when you're talking about the trucking challenges, we did an episode with uh, Pat from the Green Shipping Line, um, and they're doing um, containerized ocean. Well, not really ocean shipping, but inland shipping using the inland waterways. And so they're looking to um, they're looking to help you know facilitate different offerings to be able to help alleviate some of those challenges that they're having in trucking. So maybe something to if you wanted to just take a listen to before TPM and air freight Great. is a very 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 interesting um, things are changing in air freight. 
Um, there's a lot of discussion about different things like liability, and that is, and then the e-commerce piece and the e-commerce portion is obviously a big topic. So air freight is very interesting. I'd be interested to see sort of what comes out of that discussion as well. And then you're right, you know, where does the freight forwarder fit in? And it's all well and good to have Kuhn and Nagel at, you know, Maersk's presentation. But what about those small to medium-sized forwarders? You know, what What about the, you know, non-top 10 or top 5? What does it mean for them? Where is the freight forwarder going to fit in in the future? And I think that's a really interesting question um, that I think everybody's kind of, you know, thinking about and struggling with and trying to figure out what that looks like for them and their company. So lots of really, really great topics. Um, and TPM, where can they go and register if they're not registered and want to go to the event? Uh, very, uh, uh, very easily. Just go to JOC.com. Right on the top right, right over the JOC.com logo on, on our website is events. And just go right in there and uh, that takes you to TPM 2018. You go right in there and it walks you right through it. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you, Peter. Um, it sounds exciting and we can't wait to hear more about it. So I'm going to reach out to you on email and hopefully we can get a date in the calendar to do a, a follow up one because I think that it's, it's really interesting. I want to see, you know, what companies are doing to help conquer some of these challenges with the help of technology we have today. I mean, there's no reason why we shouldn't be able to to figure this out. Um, I don't think it's going to be done tomorrow, um, but it's definitely coming, and it's fast approaching, and I think the next even five, two to five years are going to be really, really interesting. So to our listeners, follow and connect with Peter on LinkedIn. We will have all of the additional details on our site at uh, Let's Talk Supply Chain, and it's going to be Season 1, Episode 1. And then also um, you might want to check IHS Market out at ihsmarket.com. So thank you so much for coming on the show, Peter, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon, and good luck with everything at TPM. Thank you, Sarah. A pleasure to be with you. Thank you for joining us on another episode. This is, remember, this is season two, episode one of Let's Talk Supply Chain. Next time on the show, we have Chris Lee of Logistical Labs coming on, talking about what they're doing in the space and talking about big data, but they have this amazing comparison to Alice in Wonderland. And you're not going to want to miss that episode. You're going to learn so much about the data, how to mine it, and what it means for your business. So make sure to check that out. Um, it's coming up in the next episode. And remember, everybody, if you want to check out the new platform, please go to ships, S-H-I-P-Z dot com, sign up, and you guys will be the first to know when we go to launch. There's a lot of exciting things happening, working on a lot of different things, and uh, you're going to want to be one of the first ones in the know. So th- write us a review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. We're also on Spreaker now. Um, so go and check us out, rate us, review us so other people can find us again. Remember it's let's talk supply And, um, we're so excited or I am so excited to, to move this into season two. So thanks again for all your support and remember everybody ship happens.